Hello, I'm Adult. And I'm young. I'm 24. And I'm 14. And we are reading through Mistborn, The Final Empire. By Brandon Sanderson. Today we're covering chapter 18. I stride in the room all young and hip. You may have noticed there's something slightly different about our voices this week. Uh, that's because we've both got horrible colds. Um, hopefully it's not too bad for yeah. you guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah, look, you know, these things these things happen. Um, so, the opening snippet for this chapter is not very informative. Um don't really have anything to say about it. Yeah, I me mean, neither. It was kind of just there. And that really sets the tone for the whole chapter, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does a bit. We're back in the ballroom uh, this time. <sighs> yeah, I mean, there, there are a few interesting things this chapter, but it's one of the sparsest chapters we've gotten. Yeah, I don't know how many of you will remember uh, the last time we had a chat about the ballroom chapter, but... I was not very fond of it. I this one was maybe more engaging. I think. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I I, had, I had, did had more going on. I think, but it was still a bit of a drag. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't hate this chapter, uh, but certainly, considering its length, especially, it feels like this, we have relatively little to say about it. Because <laughs> yeah. just not that much happens. Um, we we pick up. Where, where uh, I guess we kind of left off with Finn picking her dress. Uh, she goes with the red dress. Because it's the boldest choice. Um, yep. Yeah, I don't know what to say about that. Um, <laughs> there's not too much to say, really. Uh, yep, that, that sure is a dress. She goes to the party. Yeah, um, so... I have a, a great deal of notes that all add up to exactly the same thing because I kept highlighting in my ebook whenever they mention this. Uh, so Vin has received a week of dance lessons and is now apparently a great dancer. See, this <laughs> this fits in with Vin, doesn't it, though? Does it? She always seems to pick up everything fast and be better at it than everyone else. I guess that has been true of her misborn abilities. I kind of had been attributing that to some sort of misborn thing. Well, maybe misborn things work in with dancing as well. Maybe. I actually initially wondered if she was using her powers uh because at, w- at one point later in the ch- I I don't think we really need to go that closely in order. This r- runs throughout the whole chapter. Yeah, it's it's kind of the um, same stuff, yeah. And later on, she's dancing with this minor noble and she's better than he is and he's complimenting her on how graceful she is. And I was thinking, okay, maybe she's using pewter, because we know that makes you more graceful. Yes. Um, but she's not. It's explicitly said later when she actually does burn pewter that you know, she's been not using it very much because she doesn't want to get dependent on it. Um, a bit drug-like there. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it makes sense, but... Well, I, in this, <laughs> it's because she's been using it to help herself Yeah, feel. I mean, it, it makes sense that you wouldn't want to have become dependent on having to have it running all the time especially considering this stuff is expensive 
but it doesn't make sense that Venice is good at dancing. Uh, unless, look, uh, unless there's some huge revelation later that, like, Vin is secretly a metal mind reincarnated into a human body, and she's actually learned all this stuff before, and that's why she learns it super fast. Or uh, she's just a natural at dancing. Yeah, she's natural dancing and misboarding and everything else. Um, maybe. I mean, yeah, okay, look. Maybe she's natural dancing, but... I maybe. just I just don't buy that a week's dance lessons put you on, on a par with or better than people who've been doing this their whole lives. Uh, yeah, that's definitely true. It did feel like a week was a little bit too short, you know. Yeah, and I mean, there there is... Um, there are some, some excuses for this, you know, uh, she talks about how, since everyone knows that she's been ill, that'll help to, uh, of, of course, it. she was co- being complimented by a guy who himself was bad at dancing, yeah. and who was also, well, bad at socializing, so he was probably just complimenting her. Maybe, I mean... Or he was, he was possibly just complimenting her. I, I got the her. vibe that she was legitimately, like, a decent dancer, at least, at least compared to him. I mean, it's it, it's not like she's like a world class dancer all of a sudden. Uh, you know, she's uh, they talk about how she can't dance in her heels really, so she's wearing slippers, uh, which uh, actually did stand out to me as a little weird because he was looking because that that guy she was dancing with looks at her feet I think and Kalp is her footwork. So when they talked about the fact that she was wearing slippers, I kind of assumed it was hidden by her dress, like it was one of those long ballroom gown yeah, things. Yeah, I guess. I guess if you watch, like, a Disney movie, when people are dancing, you know, and the dresses are twirling or whatever, you can see people's feet, so... I guess. Uh, it's just it's just funny, like, when they said that she's wearing slippers, I guess they mean, they just mean, like, sort of, like, dance shoes, you know, like, that is a thing people wear. Yeah, just, uh, just shoes, I guess. Like, nice shoes. Like high heels, but without the high heel mm. part. Yeah, but the fact that they, they called out that, like, you know, she should really be wearing heels, that's what most of the people are wearing uh just seemed funny to me that then later it, it's made explicit that actually everyone can see that she's not doing that yeah um so um i'm just gonna throw this one little detail out there uh it doesn't really matter but i, I highlighted it anyway so when the this ballroom that she's in is being described it's got circular rose window skylights um very nice yeah, so, like, what's a rose, Vin? <laughs> I... Um... Yeah, like, they're, they're used to be flowers, so, you know, it's not too I guess it's just a word um, to her. So, I don't actually know what a rose window is. I assume... I'm picturing one of those, like, circular windows you get on, like, churches, where... It looks kind of like a flower, that pattern. You know that? Yeah, I th- I think I know what you're talking Cause about. Because these are stained glass windows, I think. It's pretty clear. Uh, she talks about like the rainbow light coming down from them. Yeah. Uh, but it just stood out to, as funny to me that they're, she calls them rose windows when yeah. she's never heard of flowers. Yeah, okay, that is that is actually an official term, according to Google, <laughs> for that kind of window. Yeah, it um, is exactly what we thought it was. It's just that kind of flowery, circly. Yeah, but like, how does Finn? How does Finn know the name of that type of window? I don't know the name of that type of window. <laughs> I would have known the name of that type of window. Would you though? Yes. 
I would, uh, from actually history class, when we had to study uh, medieval times, huh. you look at like... And they, they, they mentioned that in like discussing the, yeah, when the architecture at, like, of the period? Architecture and neo-Gothic and stuff. Hmm. I feel like Vin probably didn't go to history class. I feel like that too, but yeah. I mean, yeah. I knew it to the extent where I had to Google it right there to double check. <laughs> yeah. That I was right, but still... I kind of know it, but yeah, it feels, I guess, kind of weird for Flower to be... Yeah, I, I mean, very slightly. I don't want to harp on this too much. It's just a yeah. funny thing. Um, So, talking about the ball, I guess, she's... <laughs> That's a segue we will be able to use over and over in this <laughs> chapter. <laughs> um, the ball that she's attending is in House Alarial. Yeah, Keep Alarial. Keep Alarial. Uh, it's a, a little less grand than Keep Venture, but it's still one of the great houses. Indeed, uh, um, and we and we meet a member of House Ilaria later, as you pointed out to me, because I did not catch that at all. Yeah, <laughs> although I didn't catch which house they were in, so it kind of it was a mutual effort. Yeah, <laughs> teamwork. So, but we'll probably get to that character later. Yeah. Um, oh, and. Okay, so a little more architecture talk, actually. So, unlike Keep Venture, rather than having their parties in the main hall, which is like a multi-story chamber, uh, yeah. this, this, these people are holding their parties in a smaller ballroom, which is only one story tall. So... Uh, and I think they do also have a main hall. So this just brought me back to that discussion we had at the last party chapter, which was, like, how tall are these buildings? Like, are we talking... Is this above the main hall, or is it just next to it? I mean... Um, in my mind, I say, like, next to it. Like, if you take Harry Potter, like, the Great Hall, and then, like, the entrance hall, or whatever... I feel like, like in Harry Potter, the Great Hall like doubles as a, like a dance floor as well. Mm, oh, I see. So you're you're picturing like there's the entrance way, and then there's which is a big hall in and of itself, and then there's another one next to it that's used for gatherings. Yes, that could that could be what's going on. Yeah, um, I still I still don't think that these massive great halls are taking up the entire height of the building um which does which still i still think that these buildings must be really tall but uh this is, i guess this doesn't really add to give us any more insight into that yeah it's it's weird because when i think keep i think like tower mm. but then when you have a hall with skylights in it that oh that's true it has skylights so it has to be on the top floor it's either on the top floor or it's before the towery park begins. I guess that's possible. More like a castle, but you know, it's a. It could be like a, like a, almost like a, like a shed on the side, but that doesn't seem right to me. Yeah, I don't know. It's. You're really confusing me here. I wasn't <laughs> thinking about this before. Mm, yeah. See, in, in my head, I'm picturing you've got the great hall, and then this is like the floor above it, maybe. You know. That feels weird to me, though. Um, or even, 
Maybe even higher? And there's there's definitely <laughs> never a mention of stairs. I mean, at least in, in oldie-timey castles, um, you know, the Great Hall would usually have been on the ground floor, I think. Maybe. I feel like but, it wasn't always. But I feel like, and I'm... I'm going to ignore what I was saying about old-time castles and just look at, like, a model of Hogwarts. Like, the Great Hall is a big hall that is, like, it's almost its own building, you know? Hmm. And then next to it, you'd have the rest of the castle or, you know, leading off it. Hmm, I guess I could see that. Yeah, like... How do I... Uh... For for the listener's benefit, he's gesturing at his uh, Harry Potter Hogwarts Lego set, which is constructed pretty much exactly that way. But I feel like that's not how it is in the movies, really. It definitely is. In the movies, I feel like it's more of a cohesive structure than it is in the Lego set. I mean, um, the Lego set that I have, there are there are two ones for any confused listeners who are know in depth about different Lego sets. The there's well, the one that I have, which is kind of multiple Lego sets. Yeah, that this, you can this put Lego together. set. I mean, they're all, they're so separate because each component of your Hogwarts castle is actually a separate Lego set that, that just yeah. attaches together. If you ignore that and you just look at the Great Hall elements, then it is a separate structure, and it, it's it's definitely like that in the movies as well. Hmm. I, I might see if I can find a picture of this Lego set and, and give it like not. I don't know if I want to take a picture of this exact Lego set that we've got you've got set up here, but uh, I, I might see if I can find like a picture online of the official images of it. Yes, to help anyone. Yeah, just just to, just to give people an idea of what what we're looking at and trying to f- imagine. Um, when you said it was like a separate building, what I actually thought of was like almost like a Viking like fort, you know, where they would have like a separate building that's the the great hall where they would have parties. Oh yeah, no. Um, That's not at all what I was thinking of. Yeah, I, don't, I feel like that wouldn't that wouldn't make sense as like part of a keep, would it? No, because a, a keep is, I feel like a building. It's a specific bi- a keep is one building that's like the, at the center of the of the castle. That's the t- the, the keep is the the big tower part. Yeah, uh, whether whether or not it's surrounded by by a, a rest of the castle, that's that's still, it's still a, like you can you could have a keep that's just on its own. Yes, but. If you have the keep, and then it's surrounded by the rest of the castle, the Great Hall would not be part of the main keep. It would be part of the rest of the castle. Hmm. Whereas this is just a keep, which contains a Great Hall. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so confused. Hmm. This is... Well, see, I'm confused even more because Keep Venture was described as cathedral-like. Actually, in fairness... I'm not a hundred percent certain that this. You know, I don't, I'm not sure if it's actually specified that this keep does have a great hall, uh, which. This is like a dance room, or party room, anyway. Hmm. Okay, so here, here's what it says: It was a bit smaller than the keep of House Venture. However, Keep Alarial apparently had a separate party ballroom, while House Venture had its gatherings in the enormous main hall. Uh, so I think the the fact that it says it's a separate party ballroom does imply that it's separate from the main hall, right? Yes. Um. Which would imply that it has a main hall as well. Yeah. 
I the other way you could interpret that is that it's just separate from like other rooms. Like rather than having one gigantic main hall, they just have a regular sized room. It's a that's a ballroom. And that's all it is. It's a separate ballroom. Um We're not really getting anywhere with this. <laughs> and not neither of us are anyway architects or experts on medieval architecture. You apparently have taken a class on it. In, not really. In I don't think class. my history teacher didn't seem to be much of an architect either. <laughs> uh, when she ran through different things. Yeah, this is a very confusing conversation because there really mm. isn't much description given up given about this. Oh, she does go upstairs. By the way, uh, they climbed the carpet-covered stairs. I'm just flicking through the chapter, <laughs> trying to figure out the layout of this place. But in what context does she climb stairs? Is that when she's going into the the, the keep itself, like the beginning of the chapter? Um. Oh. Oh. Hang on. Oh. Okay. I totally missed this. Uh. They stepped up to the squat ballroom building. Building, one of several low wings extending from the main keep. Haha! <laughs> I win. Okay. So you were actually totally right, and I was wrong. Okay. Uh. So I was picturing this completely wrong. Yes. Okay, so this is quite a large complex, actually. This is not just a keep. This is exactly what I thought it was. Well, not exactly, but this is what I was trying to say earlier. So, where are the stairs? Are, they, are these just, this, like, the entranceway stairs, maybe? That's I what I was asking you. Yeah, maybe. It, it's not really clear. Um, it it does say... So, she, for, she's going up the steps to keep Ilarial, and then there's, like, a lengthy bit where she's just looking at the nobles, and we don't get any description of what's actually happening. And then she's on these carpet-covered stairs, talking to Sazed, and then they go into the keep. And then, somehow they're in... I don't know. It's it's a little confusing, but... Uh, the yeah, is, the point is you were right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so that's that's interesting. That gives us a much more... A much better picture of how this fits together. And that explains the skylight. Because yeah. it is a separate building. The point is, my knowledge of castles is greater than yours. <laughs> Congratulations. And we can now move on after 20 minutes and talk about the chapter itself. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, something eventually does happen in this chapter, which is... Uh, Yelend sits, sits down next to uh, Vin, a.k.a. Lady Villette. Yeah, well, he, he doesn't immediately sit down. First, he dumps a massive pile of books onto her table. <laughs> This guy is terrible. I've got to admit, that, no, see, this this really endeared him to me. This is, I mean, it's is it ridiculous? A little, yes, but this is, like, this speaks to me. This is something that I, like, reading when you're supposed to be at, like, a party or something, that's that's a very me thing. I, I feel this. You can't just stand awkwardly in the corner like all the other nerds. <laughs> <laughs> like, look, sometimes you gotta, but... <laughs> or, you know, sometimes you actually have to attend the party, but, you know, having a book there, that's a thing that I've definitely experienced, especially when, uh, you know, if you're being made to go to, like, a large function of some kind by family. Oh, yeah, bringing a book as many places in you can, as you can is a good option, mm. especially if you're going to have to wait a while. Yeah, but Alain takes it up to 11. He's brought, as I said, a huge pile of books, um which he's cross-referencing and... Uh, Taking notes on. Yeah, and uh, at least one of them is, like, some sort of banned text. We'll get to that in a bit. Yeah, that's... 
this is this is pretty well. He's doing like historical research at this party. He's a very strange. Person. We don't we don't get a great insight into what he's doing because Finn doesn't pay that much attention to his books, unfortunately. Which he definitely should be doing, considering she's a spy. Yeah, well, I mean, and she he's gets the heir of Lord Venture. Yeah, I guess she only. I feel like yeah. Once she finds out that he's got that banned book, that should have become her focus. Uh, but it does not. Yeah. In any way, uh, she only finds that out near the end of the party. To be fair. Um, so yeah, they they argue for a while. <laughs> um, a, a long while. It is a little fun that uh, in this argument, Eland is kind of taking the pro scare position, a little bit, where Vin is kind of trying to not seem too weird. Yeah, like she she does come across as kind of pro scare a bit, and then she backs off several times. Yeah, she keeps realizing what she's saying, and then being like, "Oh no, I don't mean that." Scaff, they're terrible. Who cares about them? Why are you interested in them? What do you mean I'm not interested in them? Yeah. she's She goes from offensive to defensive very quickly, kind of, when it comes to Scar during that conversation. Mm. Whereas um, Elend seems very interested in their rights or something, or at least how they're treated and how intelligent they are. Well, yeah, we don't get a great sense of his views because he's mostly trying to get a sense of Vin's views and then acting disappointed when she pretends that she's not a Sky Rights activist. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which is an interesting dynamic, but it, it definitely makes him come across as the good guy. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He's a strange person. Hmm. Um, at one point when he, he wanders off to get a drink, uh, says it, just goes, yes, so he's not romantically interested in you, Vin. <laughs> he's just he's just trying to make his parents mad. Um gotta love Sazed. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is it's fun. Um a little crushing for Vin. Perhaps. Yeah, so uh, a little later on we learned that he's 21 when she's 16, which actually does make me think that maybe this is literally true. Like that's that's a pretty big age gap. I just <laughs> you know, it's it's not too crazy, especially for like a medieval society. That, it, but it does make me think it's more likely that he's just kind of toying with her. Yeah. So there's a little bit when they're chatting where um, they start talking about the size of the empire, which is a little awkward because Vin has never actually left the the central dominance. Yeah. Yeah, and. This chapter actually made me think about the size of the empire differently because uh, it's definitely bigger than I kind of been thinking about it as. Like they talk about like the five central dominances or inner dominances, hmm. and that means there's more. And the central dominance, which is the one where all of the story so far has taken place in, is the smallest one. And it, it kind of just makes you think about the scope of the final empire. Yeah, Vin's cover story claims that she's t she took two months by canal to travel from whatever the name of the place that she's supposed to be from is uh, to this area. Um, and they mentioned that it can take up to half a year to go from one end. Yeah, actually, now in fairness, with medieval technology, half a year to travel from one end of the empire to the other, that's not that long. 
Um, yeah, but I guess there's not like I'm imagining for some reason that there's not like giant seas in the way of anything. Yeah, I. So if this is the whole world, then it's kind of small, but it's still not tiny. Yeah. Okay, so I had actually forgotten this reference to the five inner dominances. It's later in the chapter. Um, and looking at the map at the beginning of the book... If, like, if you look at the map, you talk about... You can see the western dominance and the northern dominance and stuff. And actually, something I've never noticed before, the terrace dominance. Oh, yeah. Right up at the top, which is just mountains. Huh. Which gives a hint to things we've... Oh yeah, that that's that's pretty interesting actually. Um, I I for some reason I've been kind of thinking of this central dominance as kind of being in terrace. I I don't remember where I got that idea. Uh something about. I think that might have been something I missed. Terrace mis- being the place of the prophecies, and maybe that's why. Yeah. The Lord, maybe the Lord really I think, wanted to build. I from think there. part of that might have actually been from something I misread a while back. Um, but okay, so looking at this map, we've got the central dominance. And then, surrounding it, there's the western, northern, southern, and eastern dominance. So I guess together, those are the five central dominances. And then around those, we've got the farmost dominance, terrace dominance, crescent dominance, remote dominance, and the southern islands. As well as, did you say terrace dominance? I did. I thought you hands in that. So, okay, that, that gives us a bit more of a sense of, of how this works. So, um... Even so, the more I look at this map, the more it looks like just like a country or a group yeah, of this countries. Yeah, this doesn't look like it covers the whole world because... Especially when you look at the sea. Yeah. Or what looks to be well, the, the sea. The sea... The, the way this map is structured, it cuts off... Like, the... Three of the four edges are land. And there's one, there's one side... The leftmost side is sea, but even there, there's some some island or something on the edge that are yes. being cut off. Um, now, that might just be a small island, but the rest, especially this crescent dominance, because it's crescent-shaped, and then, it, unless this is like a flat earth, and that's literally the edge of the world where this map ends. Um, Discworld. What, what is beyond the crescent dominance? Because this is just... Like, it's at the same sort of latitude as uh, as the central dominance. You know, you could, you, I could maybe see that the the, uh, the remote dominance and terrace dominance could be near the poles, maybe. Um, and would imply a very large scale on this map. And it would imply that the central dominance would be near the equator, which doesn't feel right to me, but I guess it's possible. Um, but then this crescent dominance, which is to the right... Uh, no, wait, hang on a sec. So this, actually, this map is not oriented the way I thought it was. Um, because look, the northern dominance is sort of... North. It's in the corner. It's not It's not north up the way it was. It is, it's it is like undocked. facing northeast or something. Yeah, yeah well, it, 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 in, in, it, it's where I would have thought northeast was. <laughs> but uh, I guess it's not. So, okay. Hmm. I have no idea what's going on with this map at all. Yeah, so the eastern dominance, and then behind it the crescent dominance, it it really looks like there's more off of the edge of this map. Um, Yes. 
In this episode, we talk about everything but the chapter. <laughs> yeah, well, this is but this is in part. this is in the chapter though. In fairness, this five hundred dominances thing. I guess I had I hadn't really looked that close at this map, but I don't know. It's <laughs> this is very confusing. Well, it's funny. You would assume when we talk about the five inner dominances that they are maybe smaller than the outer dominances, but they're not. Like they're the core region, but on this map. They're just pretty unless, much everywhere. Unless the, the Crescent Dominance and the Terrace Dominance and all that are extending quite a ways off of the map, which is possible, um, they're actually quite small. <laughs> they're, they're the smaller... In fact, the Crescent Dominance is tiny. Yeah. Like, it's like um, a little sliver. Now, maybe, even though it's named the Crescent Dominance, and it forms a crescent because the edge of the map, it's a circular map, and that is what's making the crescent shape, um, maybe... Maybe there's like a larger crescent that extends up, up past the edge of the map. I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe the Lord Ruler is lying and this is not the entire world. Yeah, that is definitely a plausible because... Uh, hmm. I, I can't think of any fictional examples of that to cite. And even if I could, I suppose that would be a huge spoiler. But that is an, that is an idea that you come across in fiction where like the dictatorship is kind of pretending to be the whole world, and then they get outside and it's like, oh my gosh, there's a whole other world out there. No, not North Korea. North Koreans know there's a world out there. <laughs> you pro you guys probably didn't even hear him whisper North Korea. Um, I mean, they don't necessarily know a lot about the world, but they know there is a world. They just think it's, like, evil. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not an expert on North Korean politics. Don't quote me on this. <laughs> um, but, like... You could have a place where they literally believe that they are all that there is. Um, um, I, I mean, I, f I feel like there's, there have definitely been like islands where they didn't know there was anybody not on the island, um, and it's not quite the same thing, but it's kind of a similar idea. Uh, oh, I guess uh, this is kind of a weird example, but in Discworld. Uh, there's a place called the Counterweight Continent, which is kind of their equivalent of Asia, or China maybe. It's it, it, it's it's Asia, okay? It's it's generic Asian country, and uh, in a sort of a mashup of Japanese and Chinese isolationism, um, and I suppose almost even North Korean isolationism. Although that's a to totally the wrong era. Uh, they believe that the world outside the empire because it's, it's just one continent that's isolated. They believe that the world outside is filled with nothing but, uh, like, monsters and ghosts. Uh, and anyone who comes who claims to come from outside is just a ghost trying to trick you. Uh, and only, like, the very highest levels of the government know that there's actually a whole world out there. The Illuminati. But they don't care about it because they have, like, way more resources than them anyway. They have, like, a lot of magic resources and a lot of gold, so... They feel like the whole rest of the world is basically like a third world. That why would they bother with them anyway? And what does everyone else think? Uh, oh, the rest of the world also think that they're mystical. So it kind of it kind of cuts both ways because they're quite isolated. <laughs> uh, <sighs> they're like if the rest of the world thinks of them as like this legendary place filled with treasure, and then everyone's like, ah, oh, but everyone knows it's really a myth. You know, it's like El Dorado. Wow. Okay. I should probably read Discworld at some point. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty good, but, um... What were we talking about? <laughs> 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 we've, gone, we've gone pretty far off track. 
Um, Something about maps and... Okay, so it takes half a year to cross the Empire. Um, so, again, that doesn't feel like that long. I don't know off the top of my head how long it took to cross the Roman Empire, but I feel like it was longer than that. Maybe we'll Google that real quick. Okay, Google actually says that I'm wildly wrong on this. <laughs> it took more like three months to cross the Roman Empire. Yeah. Um, so, I guess that... Now, at first, the Roman Empire had great roads, but these guys seem to have great canals, so... It probably does even out. Um, so this place is actually probably bigger than the Roman Empire. Yes. If we if we take if, if we have our facts right. If we take travel times as as the your measurement, um, which would fit with it being basically the whole world. Like, you know, the Roman Empire obviously was not half of the world, but you know, I could see a, a smaller fantasy setting being, or even. You know, it could be like they think it's the whole world. You know, like, in in our world we had the old world, and then turned out there was a whole new world out there. Um, it could be that there are continents that'll show up in later books. That, that feels like it will be a good way to introduce new things. Yep. But, who knows? You know, like... People who have read the books, I guess. <laughs> Vin, Vin has ascended to Lord Ruler level status, and then she goes, like, flying at supersonic speed. At the rate we read, in about three years, we should have the answers. <laughs> yep. <laughs> she goes flying, and she, she crosses the, the North Pole, or she crosses the ocean or something, and she goes, oh, hey, there's a whole other kingdom here, and they've got a totally different magic system. Yeah, or maybe maybe that, and then that's, like, that's where Era 2 is set. Mmm, could be, could be. Or I'm sure someone has like read all of this and they're listening and they're just laughing at us. Like, actually, I am going to make that a prediction though that there are other lands outside the empire, maybe unknown to the empire, that have their own things going on. Um, so, since there are unknown to the empire, we will not get much evidence of that in this chapter. <laughs> yes. So, what happens in this chapter? You might be wondering. Um, not much. Yeah. Okay. So, um, she dances with a couple people. Yeah. So Vin comes up with a strategy to get guys to dance with her, despite the intimidating presence of Elend. She tells them that he's like a brother to her, and he's just looking out for her uh, on behalf of her family. Yes, and she gets a mention of uh, something a little confusing at first. Um, the guy she's dancing with says something about a Lady Shan. Oh, yeah. He goes like, oh, you're not at all like Lady Shan said, so there's someone called Lady Shan who's been bad-mouthing her. Sounds yes. like. Now, we don't know who Lady Shan is, but we will find out, like, really very, very soon. Pretty much immediately. Uh, we'll just talk about that right now. Um, so, Lady Shan is actually Lady Shan Alarial. Uh, uh, I'm assuming, like, heir to the Illyrial house. Probably, yeah. Uh, well, actually, hmm, if she is, that would imply that their betrothal is pretty significant politically. Yes, but apparently it's been going on for quite a while. Oh, yeah, sorry. She's engaged to Elend, by oh, the way. Oh, yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's an important part. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's an arranged thing, and Elend claims that he's not sure it's even still on, because they haven't talked in a while, which... I don't believe... <laughs> I mean, I believe they haven't talked in a while. I don't believe that he's unsure if it's still on. Yeah, it's it's still on, and she's... Well, they hate each other, is what I'm thinking. 
Mm. Uh, I imagine you got that vibe too. Oh, I mean, yeah. they clearly. I mean, they're they, out to get each other. That, I mean, I wouldn't even call that like reading into it. She, she almost when we meet there's with actually, Lady Shad, she all but says that she hates him. And I think I think like, there's a line he's a where she's where Shan, uh, you know, says Elaine's name, and there's just a line where she said it, and for a second there was just pure hatred in her eyes mm. or something. So, yeah. Oh, I do want to mention, before uh, that happens, there's a bit where Vin gets bored of dancing and decides to try Elaine's trick of pretending to read so that people will ignore you. Um, and so she starts reading one of his books, and it's a history of the Empire. Yes. So we get this little snippet from the history of the Empire, um, which, and it's it's something that Vin is a bit surprised is allowed, which, now that I think about it, maybe it isn't allowed, considering we uh, later see a book that's definitely not allowed. Yes. Um, but maybe it is. It's not that wild, so... Yeah, um, well, but I mean, it is, it's kind of critical. It's, um, it's describing... I'm not gonna lie, I was with, uh, I felt like Vin probably did reading that snippet. I was wildly confused during parts of it. Well, it's not super informative, admittedly. It, uh, it talks about how the current political structure of the Empire is relatively new, it sounds like. Um, the plantation system and uh, all that is something that the Lord Ruler has instituted relatively recently, like, you know, a few generations ago, it sounds like. I don't think they give a specific date. Um, and so he's, he's been delegating more power to the various lords in sort of an attempt to keep everything more stable. Um, so this implies that there's actually been quite a lot of rebellion against the little ruler, not recently, but in general. Yeah. Talks about how this is considered a very successful system because there hasn't been a major... Uh, sorry, yeah. Dur uh, there, we are given a date. During the 200 years that the system has been in place, there hasn't been a major uprising in the five inner dominances. So... I guess before this period there was a lot of uprisings. And also, does that mean there have been uprisings outside the five Inter-Nominances? Failed uprisings, I guess. Oh, he definitely failed ones, but still, that's interesting. Um, um, yeah. I guess that's mm. what it suggests. Like uh, I said, I didn't we don't, think we about don't that part too much. get much information on what things were like before that, apart from a mention of the 5th century governorship program, which I think we've, we've had talk about this 5th century before. That there was a period of, of change in oh. some way, I think. Yeah, I think so. There was, I think that was when... I think Sazed mentioned it, didn't Yeah, it? I think Sazed said that was when the Lord Ruler wiped out a bunch of different religions and languages. I think. Yeah, it was a, that sounds right. So, it sounds like the Lord Ruler has been kind of experimenting with different ways to run his world. Uh... And this is just the, what's the best working system he's found so far for maintaining control. If it's, um, we'll, which we'll we'll be testing it though in this yeah. book. I I like this. I like the idea that like, yeah, a thousand years have passed under the Dark Lord, but stuff's been happening. It's been a thousand years. A thousand years don't pass. Like in in some fantasy books, it would be like, oh yeah, and then a thousand years passed. Anyway. <laughs> now now our hero is going to overthrow the you know like there's nothing really happens during the thousand years apart from 
the Dark Lord takes over and impresses everybody. But, I mean, a thousand years is a long time. It makes sense that there would be a bunch of complicated history during that period that, you know, even if we're not going to actually learn all of that history, it's yeah. just this implication that it is there, I like. Yeah, it's uh, kind of, this book makes me think of, like, I don't know, Hogwarts of History or something. Hmm. Like, there is a rich history, and we're going to get bits of it. Um, but that, you know, it, you get a you get a good feeling that it is there, which is more than the kind of hollowness that some books yeah. will give you. That it's like, yeah, there's a history. That's something it's not thought out. That's something that I think a lot of writers struggle with, is giving that sense of a larger world outside what we're dealing with. Yeah. Both in time and space. I mean, maybe this is kind of a, a cheat, but one of the best examples that I can think of is when you read something like The Hobbit, mm. and it's so expansive feeling. Yeah. Now, in fairness, The Hobbit is kind of cheating because Tolkien really had worked out a whole history for his world. Yeah, but complete, that, that's what I'm saying. Complete like you different languages and things. You don't maybe have to do that to make a good story, but, you know, you do have to think about these things, mm. you know, for a good effect. Yeah, that sense of just just that depth. sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's very very valuable. Uh, I've heard Star Wars cited as a good example of that. Uh, I mean, I, I've over, heard over the years, all that implication of stuff that was there has been kind of filled in by like expanded universes and things. Yeah, um, uh, two different expanded universes. <laughs> I do feel like I've heard Dune cited. Uh, as a, a good example, but I haven't read it, so. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, well, there may be a June movie review coming up soon, yay. dear listeners, so maybe we'll get to talk about that there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, with, with regards to Star Wars, like, yes, all this backstory has been since written, but the fact that even in the, ori in the original trilogy, you know, it was in... There was this implication that there was history there, you know, like or they they talk even even within the movies themselves, like they talk about the Clone Wars in the original trilogy, and then later we see the Clone Wars, and they don't really make sense, but <laughs> <laughs> or <laughs> or actually you're... really make any connect connect quite with what we if you're were told, a viewer, but if you're a viewer like me, then you can watch the original trilogy and still not know anything about any of it, but you still get that sense of depth. Because you're not one of these people who's looked mm, into That's what I'm history. saying, yeah. The sense of depth has nothing to do with the fact that the history actually does exist. Yeah. It, because the sense of depth was there before that history was ever invented. Yes. It was invented by people taking those hints on a larger world and then extrapolating them out. It, the hints themselves were originally meaningless. They were just there to be cool-sounding. And it really yeah. worked. <laughs> um, now, I don't know how much of the history of this world Sanderson had actually worked out. I'm guessing, actually, probably a fair bit. I, he just strikes me as that kind of guy. Yeah, he strikes me as the type of guy who maybe might not have written it all down, but probably had it worked out reasonably well. I mean, just taking it as a guy who finished the Wheel of Time. Mm. Like, look, I, I haven't read it, but just the idea of the Wheel of Time is like a... An overwhelmingly, you know, massive scale. Yeah, so he's clearly got a head for, for lore. If yeah. he was able to continue that successfully. And, we're, you know, Brandon Sanderson's world building is often, you know, 
supposed said to be one of his best kind mm-hmm. of writing attributes. Yeah, but no, look, I don't think this is the case. But it's totally possible that we're never going to see any of the other dominances, or we're never going to hear anything more about the history of this place, except in like vague snippets like this. Yeah. Um, I'd say we probably will, but I don't necessarily think that say Siderson had worked out the exact geography. I mean beyond the little map at the beginning of the book of every single dominance yeah. and what they're like. Like I'm sure at some point this is a big series. We'll probably go to other areas of the Empire. It's a very big series. Um, but <laughs> I doubt that he... I mean, maybe he had worked out all those details at this point, but I think it's more likely that this is just there to give this sense that there is a huge world, and it, and it does that. It, it worked. Yeah, it feels like, oh yeah, so there's this really huge empire that this is just one little part of. It's a very important part, but it is just a part. Um, but sadly, Vin is interrupted in her reading by a terraceman. Who is not Sazed. Nope. He is working for Lady Shan Ilario. Which brings us nicely back to what we were talking about before this little... Yes, it does. So he basically demands that she come over. Uh, yeah. And throughout their interactions, this Shan person acts like... A terrible person. Because yeah. Because she is. Yes. Well, uh, not, not just like a terrible person. Like, I mean, Vin is saying like, oh, she's treating me like a ska, basically. <laughs> yep. Like, oh, uh, I, I guess nobles aren't actually totally immune from being treated like this. And there's this, there's this good sense that this whole chapter we've kind of had... Finn's confidence being built up a little bit. Mm. You know, she's happy with her dress choice. Uh, her dancing has been complimented. Your man, Elend, is sitting down next to her. You know, she's had a bunch of guys ask her out to dance. And then she comes and sits down with Shan. And she immediately crushes her and makes her feel insignificant. And yeah, Well, I mean, she just starts terrible. insulting her. <laughs> yeah, but like, it's the pretty, way she does it crazy. feels so... It's very effective, I guess, is what I'm saying. Like, there is that sense of Vin has been built up this chapter kind of for this moment, for her to be insulted a bunch. I, I guess. Feel like. <laughs> it's it's a weird interaction, really. Um, Especially considering that nothing really comes of it. Well, yeah. Uh, well, something, something kind of comes of it. Uh, it's funny. I don't have a great sense of like how much is this normal behavior or not <laughs> like is it that Shan is actually this far above Valet in status or is it just that she's a really arrogant jerk you know like there's I mean clearly she is well above Vin's alleged status but also it seems like she's clearly going out of her way to be really rude, so... Yeah. It's kind of hard to tell. Like, there's... I mean, there's there's definitely some stuff in this conversation where, like, for example, the conversation opens with her just dismissing the five women who are at her table talking. Like, they're like, yeah. Be gone, <laughs> essence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, in fact, not only were they at her table talking, but she wasn't even talking with them. She wasn't participating in the conversation, but seemed to dominate it nonetheless. So, like... They were just like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, I guess they were they were talking like, 
I'm waiting for her to chime in with some like minor agreement and then everyone would be like, oh wow, yes, of course, you're so right. <laughs> it, it definitely gives off the sense of how socially powerful yeah, this, this like, woman is. Everyone is apprehensive of what they're saying because, you know, of what she might say. Mm. But at the same time, there's no way in hell it's normal for a person to be launching and like, um, even an uncultured simpleton like yourself must see the importance of being useful to your betters. Uh, and then Vin doesn't respond to this, and Shai goes, I, I trust from your vapid look that you accept your place. <laughs> like, damn. <laughs> Bearing in mind, she's probably only in like her early 20s. She seems very... The way she talks to Vin... Oh As well, she's she, a child, she I mean, she calls her child, uh, which, in fairness, is she, it wrong? She's in her twenties. Ben is like a couple years older than you, so yeah. But like, it, uh, it's definitely her trying to frame things in a certain way, though. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, you're, you're a kid. You're not, you're not a threat to me, <laughs> even though I've clearly called you over here it's, on some level because you, I feel you are. Yes, but what might be helping her insults have an effect? is the fact that Vin notices that she appears to be a soother. Yeah, she's being soothed, uh, presumably by Shan, because there's nobody else there. She's being soothed to the insults. Uh, kind of a weird idea, but yeah. Yeah, well, well, Shan is trying to actually get her to do stuff. She uh, asked her to, to, to recount her conversation with the land, uh, and Vin basically goes, Oh, jeez, I, I gotta go. <laughs> well, that's kind of why she leaves, but why she really leaves is because she sees uh, Shan's... Sorry, I had to check her name there. She sees Shan's Terraceman guy and, snooping around yeah, at the table. Yeah, he's gone over to check out those books that Alain left. And we didn't really know why until Vin makes her escape and decides to take a look at some of these books. Hmm. Uh, she picks up a slim little volume uh, called well I don't remember what it's called something about weather uh, weather patterns of the northern dominance which in retrospect I guess is actually like a deliberately boring title designed to dissuade people from opening the book and discovering it's not about that but she decides to anyway because it's unopened I guess it's it's the only book that Elend was too nervous to leave. Well, we find out that he would have been too nervous to leave open uh, for good reason because this a, book is very radical. It's a book about how terrible the Lord Ruler is. Yeah. So, as, like, as a ruler. The opening bit is just like there are many reasons why the Lord Ruler is terrible at his job. Uh, but. Mm. This book will focus on perhaps the most evident of these. <laughs> yeah, these, these, these are the opening sentences, apparently. Um, when regarding the final empire in its entirety, one certain fact is unmistakable. For a nation ruled by a self-proclaimed divinity, the empire has experienced a frightening number of colossal leadership errors. Uh, dangerous words, my Dangerous man. words. Uh, but the next sentence is even more interesting. I mean, that we just that's just... Like, yeah, okay, we can't do that. Um, most of these have been successfully covered up 
I can only be found in the metal mines of Farukamists, or on the pages of banned texts. Farukamists. So, yeah, Farukamists, huh? Those, those Farukamists. That's a fun word to say. <laughs> uh, I probably, I might be mispronouncing it. Maybe it's like Farukamist or something. Um, but Farukamists. It's, it's certainly interesting. So, what I'm thinking this means is that the Keepers, the Sansa told deal... Maybe they aren't the only ones with their power, or maybe this is just an imperial term for them, I don't know. Yeah, maybe Sassad is a Farouk chemist. I, I think he definitely is. Yeah. Uh, but whether that is a thing that exists beyond his sect or not, I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, no, I didn't really think about that, I suppose. Like, we up to now, we've been understanding this whole metal mine business as... A power that the keepers possess and I mean I think it's been specifically said that uh, the Lord ruler fears them because they possess power he doesn't fully understand um, but this makes it sound like potentially this is just a separate thing that exists and says it happens to have also trained in it you know what I mean <laughs> like probably obviously as part of his work as a keeper he deliberately trained in this art or whatever you know I, I'm, the I'm, artist the artistry of Ferru chemistry. Yeah. Uh, it, it's... It's interesting. Um, I guess... Ferru is like... A people? Or like a... A well, class or something? I don't know. Like a... Well, it makes me think of like ferrous. As in... Like... Metallic or iron. That's a... That's a thing, so... <laughs> Whatever you say. Like, ferrous metals is a... is a term. Um, it's not... spelt quite the same, but... Maybe, maybe, I, that, that's what jumps out to me, is maybe what it means. Ah, yes, that's, that's, that's also what jumped out to me, as being the obvious. I mean, I don't... <laughs> the other thing is, like, it sounds kind of like alchemists, so maybe they're doing some thing that is similar to alchemy, but I can't think what it could be. Eleventh metal? Alchemy? I mean, it could... Wait, what do you mean by that? Well, the eleventh metal is the, the metal that stops the Lord Ruler. And this book will go on to talk about how the Lord Ruler is not immortal. He's just, well, he is immortal, but he's not unkillable. Well, he's not infallible. Well, Still. That's not really the same thing. Mm. They say they say even though he is immortal, he also sucks as a leader. But still. Um I if we're don't going down the alchemy. No, I, I don't think that actually makes any sense because it seems pretty clear that Sazed is whatever this is. A Farukimist. And if he if Farouk if Farouk, if Farukimi was uh based on the eleventh metal, then Sazed would already know about the eleventh metal and probably have some. Maybe he does. Maybe that's where Kelsier got it. I don't remember where Kelsier got Kelsier it. Kelsier got it on, like, his travels in distant lands. And where did he get Sazed, I ask you? <laughs> Perhaps. I mean, it's not impossible, but it seems very unlikely to me. I was just I was just messing because you bring it up. Alchemy. Um, hmm, okay, so... I didn't, I didn't I, actually think about any of this at all. I just kept chugging through the chapter. Mm. 
Um, I, I, I'm kind of thinking out loud here, anyway. I mean, I, <laughs> all I thought was, oh, okay, so that's like a term for what says it is, I guess. Um, hmm, so... Which is weird, because alchemy, we already have terms for what says it is. A keeper and, you know, a terraceman is where he's, is what he is, so... Yeah. So alchemy... Alchemy does stuff related to, like, souls and immortality. Maybe that's the connection. Does it? If there is a connection. Well, I mean, it definitely does stuff to do with immortality, right? Well, I guess. The Philosopher's Stone grants immortality. So, you know, a, a metal mind, whatever it is, could be considered a form of immortality. Assuming it involves, you know, passing memories or knowledge on between individuals, which it seems clear it does. Uh, I don't know. That's... <laughs> That's all I can think of. Maybe. Uh, anyway, so uh, we're mentioned. We're, we're told a couple of these uh, blunders, including the revision of the deepness doctrine and the relocation of the Renatese peoples. Um, Neither of which meant anything to me. Okay, so the deepness doctrine. When we know we've been told what the deepness is, but this seems to be saying that, like, the official story regarding the deepness has changed recently. This is this is something, uh, this is what we're told, when it's only to look at the near past, so this is something that's so recent that it's too recent to have been covered up. It's within living memory, presumably. Yeah. Um, or, you know, was whenever this book was written. It's true. We uh, don't have an author for this book. Yeah. Which makes sense because you would not want your name. Oh yeah, I mean we're specifically told it doesn't it doesn't give an yeah. author. Um You wouldn't want your name in the book like yeah. this. So okay, so the deepness doctrine has been changed recently. Maybe this is something to do with our speculations that the Lord Ruler had merged with the deepness or something like that. The current doctrine seems to be that the Lord Ruler defeated the deepness but then decided to be a jerk and inflict sucky stuff on everybody that seems quite similar to what the deepness was going to do which as I've said seems kind of suspicious <laughs> so maybe that's actually a recent like retcon within the church's doctrines I don't know like maybe before everyone just knew oh yeah the little ruler merged with the deepness and he's the deepest being a jerk to us but then but the then they changed to, it yeah the Lord rulers or his his ministry decided to to stop telling anyone that <laughs> I guess I don't know it's, anyway, uh, and yeah, we don't know who the Renatese peoples are. Seems kind of like... I mean, re relocation makes me think, first of, you know, what happened to Native Americans. Um, obviously not the only example in history of, of people being forced relocation, but that's what jumped out to me. Um, yep, yeah, so uh, I guess the only other thing we can say about this book is that its its main thrust is that basically... It's arguing that an immortal ruler like the Lord Ruler should be a huge stabilizing force on the world, but the Lord Ruler just sucks so bad that actually there's been tons of wars and stuff anyway. Yeah, it's really ripping into the Lord Ruler. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so this, I mean, this is this is a book as Finn immediately reminds us that definitely is banned. Definitely banned. Um, and it seems pretty likely that if his fiance had found the book, that, like, he would have been in deep trouble. Yes, so maybe Avin 
I mean, although to be honest, that might have been a good thing, right? Mm. The, like, think of how much that would have caused, all the trouble that would have caused. Uh, the reason for the possible imprisonment or death um, of the heir to House Venture is because of the heir to House Ilarial. I think it's actually more likely that she would blackmail him and thus gain control over House Venture, which is a little less cataclysmic, but uh, still would've... probably not good news for our heroes. Would have been more fun, my way. <laughs> you know, this is, a, this is a guy who's clearly very sympathetic to their cause, or at least gives that impression. Uh, I mean, he, no, I think at this point we can say he's clearly sympathetic to their cause. He's reading a banned text about how the little ruler sucks. And he is forming alliances with political rivals of his house. Yeah. Which is interesting, I thought. Because I'm imagining that's a good thing. Maybe? I don't know. Uh, might be a bad thing, honestly, if he's strengthening his house's position, given that he's pretty but open to his house. He's, he's a rebel, right? So that means the other houses, in theory, have rebel children who are banding together to cause trouble. That is possible. That is possible. That's what I'm imagining. Um, that, that seems the most likely you know, outcome to me. What did you see the Alliance mm. as? Um, I was thinking that it was maybe more on behalf of, behalf of his house, you know? Uh, but actually, I think you might be honest with that because it's mentioned here that uh, when he meets up with these guys, one of them takes half of the stack of books that he's carrying, which makes me think that maybe he has similar ideas and has also been reading questionable books yeah uh that's that's actually you know at the very why. least at the very least Elend isn't nervous about him taking the books you know uh yeah so that maybe is a positive thing I don't know hmm um, positive to our heroes of yeah. course so uh Vin uh says it has has shown up again so they decide to leave uh you know that's it. Or Avengers wandered off anyway. No, not quite. Be, uh, no. One one last thing does happen, which is that a small scab boy oh. is caught. He's been he's been he tried to beg from one of the nobles, uh, and he is killed. Yeah, he's he's dragged just out of sight and then summarily executed. Yeah. Uh just casually. Which is pretty pretty harsh. Just casually, pretty harsh. Gets his throat slit. Uh, he, he was the, he was the kitchen boy apparently, or a kitchen boy. Yeah, I I feel like that's pretty harsh. I mean, like instant death for trying to beg seems pretty pretty excessive, <laughs> you know, by anyone's standards. Uh, I mean, I I'm not sure how official a punishment this was. You know, they just kind of do it, but. Mm. Anyway, yeah, so this is our reminder that this world sucks. Yep, and this is Vin's reminder that she has to, I guess, mm. stay in character very carefully. Yep, so uh, Vin then spends a page 
telling us that that was the point of that interlude? She, you know, oh yeah, and this was, you know, like, it was a sobering thought, uh, you know, death, there's a pleasant nobility just da dancing just inside, and then out in the courtyard was death and so on for an entire page. Uh, <laughs> and that's the end of the chapter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right, so we should do favorites and least favorites. Right. Um. um <laughs> so, Arlo, okay. what was your favorite part of this chapter? I mean, it's obviously the history books, right? And what was what was your least favorite bit of this chapter? Um, <laughs> maybe the fact that she's so good at dancing. I mean, I know I've already said that, but it really did throw me out of it a bit. Like you know. You don't have to have people complimenting on her, her on how great her dancing is. You know, you can have her be bad at dancing. We've established yeah. we've established that she has an excuse to be bad at dancing. Yeah, um, that's, that's true. Now, I, it's quite possible that, as you say, you know, this is just a thing that, within that she's just a really fast learner. But it seemed weird to me. Uh, Sue Young, what was your favorite part? Um, um, well, it was. It was sure the history books. <laughs> well, that long pause is gonna have to be cut out. <laughs> yeah, um, listeners, you will never know how long he paused trying to think of something he liked about this chapter. I mean, it wasn't the worst chapter, but like, really, kind of feels like nothing's happening throughout it. So, yeah. Uh, uh, still, I still feel like it was better than the first party chapter. So that's a positive, I guess. Mm, I guess that's fair. It felt like there was more stakes, I will say. Yeah, so maybe 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 that's my favorite part. You know, the pacing was maybe a little better. Mm. Um, and your least favorite? Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't have a least favorite. It was kind of bland. The whole chapter. <laughs> it was. It was kind of a bland chapter. So I don't. I don't, but there was nothing that I particularly kind of was stand out bad. Hmm. So. I guess that's fair. Okay, uh, I guess our final segment is the mailbox. We have had a few comments since we last did a mailbox. Uh, yes, I also knew about this. <laughs> uh, yeah, as our resident person who posts things on Reddit, uh, I tend to read all this stuff first. <laughs> um, while Young uh, finishes diligently reading our correspondence, I'll start in on a little bit of it. So, uh, Rich Rocket 24 had a number of things to say to us. Uh, one which uh, is a little embarrassing is that apparently it's actually specifically been stated in the story that Rain is only Vent's half-brother. Ah, <clears throat> uh, yeah. So, we forgot that. Uh, and we started making predictions based around stuff like that. So it'll it'll now it's possible we kind of subconsciously remembered that, but on the other hand, in a way, that's like our prediction, you know, being confirmed <laughs> in a backwards sort of way. Like I not guess, not like fully like confirmed, that. but it's like it's like evidence towards it. You know, it's like we predicted, you know, that 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 would be the case. And it, it's true, so that suggests that the rest of that prediction maybe is also true. Uh, although, as uh, they point out, and I mean, we said this ourselves, 
the timeline is very difficult to make work. It would have to, the only way it would be possible for Vin to somehow be Kelsier's daughter would be if they had given her up for adoption, I think is, and or, you know, whatever the, the fantasy equivalent is. Yeah, and I think on the day when we got into that conversation, we quite willingly accepted that there were a bit of timeline issues yeah, uh, like so they they it would have what would have had to happen would be that they had Vin right around the time they got married, um, or just or even a little before they got married, uh, and then gave her up, and Kelsier may or may not know that she's his daughter or suspect, but you know he would he would know that he had a daughter around her age, who was out there somewhere. So, you know, it's... It, it is a tricky theory to make work, but at the same time, you know, there's a, there's a, there's enough evidence for it that it is... It's, it's a certain amount of compelling... It, it's compelling, even though it's also insane. <laughs> yeah. You kind of... In a way, you kind of want it to be... You know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they've actually they've got to our whole prediction sheet, which is it's great to to hear that people are enjoying that. Uh, and yes, as they, they point out, we've we've made a lot of mutually contradictory predictions, and that's definitely true. Uh, the way I see it, if I change my mind about something, then that's another prediction, right? <laughs> that, that does mean that it's impossible for us to have that high of a success rate, but it's it's still... Like, I, I, I want to see if my later self was more correct than my earlier self, you know? <laughs> that's, that's, that's how it makes sense in my head, anyway. I kind of feel like my earlier predictions were, like, quite wild... Well, yeah, I mean, some of our early predictions, we had very incorrect ideas about how the setting works. And we probably still do, in many ways. Um, but we we really had no idea what was going on with some things. Um, and, yeah. Uh, so, without getting into spoilers, apparently there are some things which we have marked as confirmed, which are not fully confirmed. And, I mean, this is this is something that I've I've noticed myself. Uh, you know, there have been things where we thought they were confirmed, and then we had to mark them as actually turns out wrong, or the other way around. Yeah. You know, sometimes we're just, you know, this, this tracks our understanding of what's going on, and yeah, sometimes you think a thing has been proven true, and it turns out to have been proven false. And that's, you know, that that's how these, I mean, it's in some cases, you know, like for example with the mayor thing, I haven't marked that as confirmed, even though we've been told that people in-universe believe that's true, because there's some uncertainty, but it's not impossible that we will be directly told or given proof that Mare did betray them, and then later given proof that she didn't, and it turns out the first proof was wrong, or vice versa. You know? That's just how stories go. So, uh, it's never going to be, our prediction sheet is never going to be 100% accurate, even in the parts that are supposed to be firm, the confirmed or disconfirmed bits. Um, there's always going to be some uncertainty there. 
uh, even by the end of the book, you know, we'll, there's, we'll probably still have some things which we think have been proven right or wrong, and then later on, in later books, we may well turn out to have been mistaken about that. True. Uh, let's, let's see. Uh, yeah, and the other the other thing is, of course, that the the fact that with some predictions, it's very difficult to judge whether they're wrong or right or just sort of ill-conceived. I, I've been counting ones that are just, it turns out, not really possible or sensical, if that's a word. Uh, <laughs> nonsensical. Yeah, they're, they're, they're nonsensical. They're not sensical. Uh, <laughs> um, I've been counting those as wrong because, like, some would say they're not even wrong. <laughs> Uh, things like, for example, when we were, I was saying the Lord Ruler is the previous Mistborn. Like, yes, the Lord Ruler is probably a Mistborn in some sense. Maybe not, but probably. Um, and he was one previous Divin becoming one, but... Unless um, you feed into our theory that the Lord Ruler really did invent Mistborns. Yeah, but even then he probably would count as a Mistborn within the magic system he created, maybe. Um, uh, if he's more than a misborn, does that? But like that in the, the in the sense that we the sense that we meant it was clearly not what happened. So in that sense, I count it as wrong. Yeah, no, that would be wrong. Uh, I like we 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 don't know what the Lord Ruler is, but we know for sure that the thing we were imagining when we said he was a misborn does not exist. We were picturing it as like a chosen one status, and he may well be the chosen one, but he is not the misborn. Yeah, he's a Mistborn and he's a Chosen One, but... Uh, those are separate things. Those are separate things, yeah. So, I mean, he, he may be a Mistborn and he may be a Chosen One. We don't even know those for sure, but he's definitely not the Mistborn, the thing we were imagining. So, uh, that's how I treat these sort of weird... We were actually completely misunderstanding the question answers we've been giving. <laughs> uh, and again, you know, it's, it's inevitable that there's going to be things like that. That's just, you know, that's just how it is... As your understanding evolves, you're going to realize that some of the things you believed were not even wrong. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Uh, I guess up. the we last. We get some. Well, we the... get some stats. Yes. Stats on how many we've gotten right, wrong, not even wrong, and so on. Um, so, I feel a little uncertain about, like, I guess. Technically, in the most abstract possible way, this is a spoiler. I don't, I don't mind it. I don't, I don't feel spoiled. I don't feel spoiled. I don't know. I do, like, I don't know how many listeners we have who are following along with us and haven't read this story before. Maybe none, for all I know. But uh, assuming that there are some of you, and there probably are, it's possible that I shouldn't give this. <laughs> uh, it's. Uh, the numbers I'll are say not... I'll say that they're not hugely favorable to us, but they're not they're not that bad, honestly. They're actually fairly okay. Yeah. Yeah, we won't we won't we won't talk about numbers. We'll leave you in our um, weird I, I'll, suspense. I'll also say apparently a lot, although not all, of our predictions will be confirmed or disconfirmed before the book is over. So that's interesting. That's to good. Know. Yeah. That's good. That's a positive takeaway. Um Yeah, that that wraps up, I think. Yeah, I think that wraps up the episode. So, uh, this, would, this is the point in the episode where I 
tell you how to contact us if you would like to do so. Um, as you've heard, we read all the Reddit comments, so I'll be posting this episode on r slash Mistborn if you want to go there and comment. Uh, you can also reach out to us on Twitter. Our Twitter is at podyoungadult. You can email us, um, podcastyoungadult at gmail.com. Uh, a lot of podcast things allow you to leave some kind of review or comment, so uh, we would love that. I mean, that's in in some ways the best way to, to reach out to us in the sense that I think it would boost their recommendation algorithms for us. Uh I think I, I'm not exactly an expert, but yeah, if you want to go, you know, get, leave us some kind of five star review, that would be wonderful. And um, I will probably read it. <laughs> As I said, I'm not a huge expert on these things, so there is a small chance. If, if you have left us a comment like that and I have missed it, um, please email us and, and tell us because I've messed up. Uh, I want to read all of those comments and I, I do my best to check all that stuff um yeah that's the end of the episode yeah so thanks for listening and don't forget to have chapter 19 read for the next Mistborn episode yeah there will be another movie review episode before that almost certainly uh <laughs> but that'll probably we'll probably stick to Mistborn episodes every second week so you, you won't be getting less episodes we're just Supplementing them with yeah. movie episodes. Bye. Bye, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.